Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. What does it mean to be a patriotic American? How is patriotism different from nationalism? On this episode, Bishop breaks it down. Find out how the Catholic Church's teachings about the dignity of the human person fits in with our responsibilities as citizens. Plus, it's time for the annual Bishop's Appeal. Get the inside scoop on this year's video and find out what the appeal supports in our diocese. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our good Bishop. Thank you for taking some time out of your schedule and bringing half of your library with you. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, the catechism, the compendium of Uh the social doctrine of the church, the new theological commentary on the catechism oh and a philosophy book from when i was a college student how how new is that commentary this was this past year it looks interesting um it's yellow look at the yeah i don't know if many know about it it's published by vatican publishing house but also in the united states by our sunday visitor last year it came out it's entitled catechism of the catholic church with theological commentary oh and, um, so it would have all the content from the catechism in there. Full text. Full text. And, plus. and the, the commentary. Hmm. The commentary was directed by Archbishop Rino Fisichella at the Vatican. And uh, I have not read. Uh, it's more of a reference book. I, don't, sure. I can't imagine that I'd sit back and just read the whole commentary. <laughs> but if I'm, for example, studying some paragraph or some part of the catechism, I think it you know, this will be really helpful. Look at the theological commentary on yeah. it. Yeah. Very interesting. And uh, so I brought it today because I thought you wanted to talk a little bit about the just war theory. And I thought I'd talk about what the catechism says, but also what the theological commentary says. Great. Yeah. I can't wait. So before we get to that, we have the Bishop's Appeal video has been out for a while now. People may have seen it. Um, maybe not if you're not going to your parish and your parish hasn't shared that with you yet, and that maybe hopefully is coming soon. But I wanted to talk about that video and also kind of what the Bishop's Appeal does as well. But before we do, did you do anything differently about Bishop's Appeal and fundraising for the Diocese of Harrisburg? Um, when I was Bishop of Harrisburg, they had a, a, a Lenten appeal, an annual Lenten appeal. Huh. But we didn't have video. No, okay. this was new when I came here. Uh-huh. Yeah. So... How do you but like they, doing the video? No, it's it's good. I mean, it's always very well done. And um, this year it was done in-house. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Office of Communications did it. I think they did a very good job. I've had a lot of positive comments from people who've watched it. You know, it's very touching. It's I, very powerful. Very powerful, yeah. yeah. So see, um, see if you can keep a dry eye watching it. That's it's, what it's, that's what a lot of people have said. And, you know, Father Mark Gertner was, you know, he he gave the commentary beautiful. It was part of a homily he gave, yeah. I believe. So, yeah, I think it's kind of a spiritual kind of uh, approach this year, which right. is really important. So let's maybe start with the theme. What was the theme this year? Yeah, the theme is spreading the light of God's love. I mean, everything we do as a church, as a diocese, and in our parishes, that's what we're called to do is really to spread the light of God's love. And if you look at anything that the Bishop's Appeal funds, that's what it's about, ultimately. Mm -hmm. That's the church's mission, really. The mission of evangelization is to spread the gospel, to spread the light of Christ and the light of God's love. So um, so it seems very appropriate, and um, 
I hope that we'll be we'll do well. I mean, here we are. Kind of, it's a tough financial situation for mm-hmm. many people, including for the church, because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. Although I have to tell you, I was really amazed by the generosity of our people in this year's Pentecost collection. I mean, everyone's thinking, "Oh, we're really going to be struggling." It was the highest amount we ever raised. Huh. Over $300,000, which is such a big help for having the the money we need for the education of our seminarians. That's what the Pentecost collection is for. Also, a big chunk, about a million dollars of the bishop's appeal goes to seminary education. So, yeah. so if it... But that doesn't cover it all. That's why we have the Pentecost collection. Right. So... Why do you so think I, it was up this year? I, I You know, I can't... Well, we did a mailing that we don't normally do, I think, okay. to all households. And I think that helped. But I think maybe people realized, yeah, you know, the church, you know, is struggling during the pandemic. We need to. So that, that was really, that really is a very big help to us. Mm-hmm. Someone said, well, what's the effect of the pandemic on the diocesan finances? And, you know, it's really going to be delayed, the mm-hmm. negative effect, because. I'm not sure if a lot of people understand how, you know, where our income comes from. Well, obviously it comes from the annual bishop's appeal, but also a, uh, what we could call a tax, a quota on parishes. So I think it's like 6% of parish income goes to the diocese. Other dioceses that might be like 15%, mm-hmm. but because of the business appeal, we can keep that quota down. Mm-hmm. This year, I froze the appeal goal. There was no increase in the goal to help parishes out because it is a tough time, which meant I had to cut about a half a million dollars from the budget, which was not easy to do. Hmm. But where the effect might be be more difficult is a year or two from now because of collections being down. You know, when we had those few months where there were no public liturgies, offertory collections and parishes went down. And also in this time of the pandemic with the dispensation from the Sunday Mass obligation, there's also fewer people attending Sunday Mass. So collections are down. That's why we encourage online giving and people not to forget the church you know mm-hmm. they can send their envelopes into their parish but with a decline in parish income that means there's going to be a decline in diocesan income because the quota will be less mm-hmm. so we're going to see negative effects like a year from now and that's why the bishop's appeal is really important and i hope people will be generous People always ask, well, what, what is the money used for? That's, it's really important. People have to know what the money's used for. Yeah. And we have to be very responsible stewards of this. I mean, that's really important. And of course, as bishop, I have the help of our diocesan finance officer, Joe Ryan, and his staff, the business office, and also the diocesan finance council of mm-hmm. lay people who uh, advise me about financial issues because I'm not an expert on, in any means on on finances. But these are the needs of the church, the activities of the church that are funded by the Bishop's Appeal. Other things are funded by the quota, and there's some income that we receive from our investments. Of course, that goes up and down depending on how the economy is doing. I mean, I'll give you an example. We have four diocesan high schools, Bishop Dwenger, Bishop Lors. 
Marion and St. Joseph High School. They are diocesan high schools, and we give about $1.3 million from the diocese to help our high schools. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the bishop's appeal, about a million dollars, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, so you're helping our Catholic high schools. I already mentioned seminary education, about a million dollars. The retirement for our priests, the bishop's appeal supports our retired priests. I mean, we have to provide stipends to our retired priests, Mm -hmm. you know, the priest pension. So that's about, I think, close to $400,000 goes to support our retired priests. We also give a a subsidy to Catholic charities. Obviously, our service of the poor is part of our mission. So the diocese gives about $425,000 a year to Catholic charities. That comes from the bishop's appeal. We also try to help parishes in need. There's some parishes that may be very poor. Maybe they're in the inner city and they can't make ends meet. We give out grants to needy parishes, about $300,000 from the Bishop's Appeal. Things like our communications secretariat, Today's Catholic, all of our social media stuff, you know, that that adds up to about $800,000 approximately a year. The communications secretariat, of course, that's vital as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of good things going on as far as communications. That's part of how we evangelize. Well, even this show is kind of a, a joint effort between Redeemer Radio and the communications department. So right. without the help from Nate Prue and the people up here in the seventh floor, right. this, this would be a completely different thing. Exactly. We have the Secretary for Catholic Education. I mean, when you think about it, we have a Catholic school system, 43 schools. We have parish religious education programs that serve all of our kids who are go to public school. We have the Office of Catechesis that works with that. We have Youth Ministry Office. So it's about $900,000 a year mostly staffing of the Secretary for Education. If you look at that, given how large our school system is, for example, I mean, it's it's really rather small staff for, for the amount of work that we have, mm-hmm. especially if you compare it to public school administration. We have marriage and family ministry, which is part of the evangelization secretariat, all the Dawson marriage preparation programs and other ministries that that have to do with marriage or with family, that's probably about 235000 a year. We have young adult and campus ministry, about $170,000 a year. We have Hispanic ministry, about $150,000 a year. Office of Worship, about $170,000 a year. The Tribunal, about 400000 a year. So you add all of this up. Now, I don't have in front of me the exact... Uh, goal for the bishop's appeal this year it's probably somewhere five to six million dollars but that's not the total expense because we also have the income from the quota that i mentioned so Mm, hopefully people understand that if they want to know more details they can you know this is all public so 
it's important that we be, be transparent always about mm-hmm. our finances. We give an annual report that's put online on our website, as well as in today's Catholic. Mm-hmm. So if one wants to see exactly how the breakdown is in both income and expenses, it's all there for anyone to see. Yeah. And People, if they haven't seen the video, you definitely need to go watch that. You can find it at the diocesan website, diocesefwsb.org. If you put a slash ABA for annual bishop's appeal, that'll take you right to the, the bishop's appeal page. But also just on the front page of the diocese website, if you scroll down to the bottom, there's English, there's English with subtitles, there's Spanish, there's Spanish with subtitles. So there's a lot of different options there for you to watch as well. Any thoughts on Father Mark's homily that was used in there, your comments, kind of the story thread of the video? It's been a while since I did it. We did it, so I can't remember the details. Do you want to? I, I watched it again this morning. I've watched oh, it good. before, but okay. it, it is, it's just, I think it's encouraging. Father Mark's homily is so emotional. Like he, you can just tell he, he cares just in his voice. You can, you yeah. can sense that. Some of the visuals that are in there of, different people, all different ages, praying or working or playing. It just really, I feel like, encaptures our diocese, the, the things that are going on, the ministry that's happening. And most of what you listed there in those expenses are ministries that are directly evangelizing. Some, though, like Catholic Charities, might be more social justice you yeah. know, and some of the things that they might be doing is not evangelizing as far as like praying with people, although I'm sure they do, or, you know, scripture studies, which maybe they do on occasion, but it's it's showing the love of Christ through action and not yeah. just through kind of preaching. Yes. And kind of seeing that all in one package. There's some of the numbers come up there in the video as well that if, if you missed any of those, it kind of mentions where some of that money is going to. But encourage people to check that out. I, I think this year it's it's very different than in the past. Yeah, and uh, hopefully it's one of those that you'll want to share with people. Too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I'm you know, and and I've only heard positive things. Like you said, I mean, people in tears after yeah. they after they watch it. One very important thing I failed to mention is that one thing that's unique about our diocesan appeal is that, and you don't find this in a lot of dioceses, is that any, you know, every parish has a goal that's Mm -hmm. based on their income. That's how there's a formula for what their assessment is. And if they don't make their goal, their assessment, they still have to pay the the total amount. So they'll have to take it out of their savings or whatever. Hmm. But the great majority of our parishes make goal, so mm-hmm. it's not really a problem. But the other part of that is anything above the goal that they raise stays in the parish right. 100%. And that is unusual, uh-huh. you know, but I think it's good because I think for people to realize that, that yeah, I mean, and, and you have parishes that maybe have a special project that they want to do. Mm-hmm. So they might just add that to their their goal. Mm-hmm. Let's say they need a new roof mm-hmm. or something on, right. on the church or on the school, or they need a new roof on the rectory and it's going to cost $50,000 or whatever it is. And they're saying, well, rather than have a special capital campaign, we're going to add that and 
if they get fifty thousand above gold, they can keep that and put the new roof on. Right. So that's kind of neat. So they so people know that anything that their parish that's why it's important to reach their goal, but also, you know, that could give the parish some extra cash for for their own particular needs. Sure. All right, again, you can check that out, dioceseFWSB.org, or go to dioceseFWSB.org slash ABA for the annual Bishop's Appeal. And if you have any questions for Bishop, you can go to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop. You can also find past episodes there if you'd like to listen to one again or listen to one that you missed or share an episode with a friend. Uh, You can also call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598 and submit your questions there. Coming up, we'll talk about nationalism versus patriotism, just war theory, and a saint you might know, but might not know that he was a conscientious objector. It's coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. When you're worried about your health, you go see a doctor. Worried about finances? Talk to the helpful folks at Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. You already share our values. Why not share in our savings? Notre Dame FCU. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. Kyle Hyman here with our bishop. And we've got kind of a, a hodgepodge of things to talk about. One of them is the issue of nationalism versus patriotism. And I guess maybe... I could start with a, a little bit of personal experience here is I think I struggle a lot of times with what might just be patriotism, but sometimes I might equate with nationalism, this enthusiasm for our country, this kind of USA number one, America first, and also kind of a blind blanket endorsement of the flag and for which it stands or for our country. Because there's a lot of things that our country is doing currently or has done in the past that I don't endorse. And my allegiance, if I were to pledge it, would be to God, would be to our faith, would be to the Catholic Church. And that's where my allegiance lies and hopefully that of my family. Whereas I I really have a hard time pledging allegiance to the U.S. flag and for what it stands because it doesn't stand for everything that I stand for. There's a lot of things that our country is doing. Abortion, for example. There's a lot of different racial issues that our our country hasn't necessarily done the best with in the past or currently. And so I have a hard time, I guess, endorsing blanketly the USA or the flag or patriotism. And maybe save this for down the road a little bit, but throwing in another can of worms here, but our military, which I I have the utmost respect for anybody who would be willing to risk their life for the life of another person to defend freedom and to protect and defend innocent people. That's a, such a noble cause, but there are also some things that are done by the military and have definitely been done in the past by our military that again, I can't endorse and the Catholic church wouldn't endorse and would say that that's wrong. And so to blanketly endorse the military, I think is hard for me as well, where again, like I have a lot of respect for people that would do that, but also recognize that there's a time that 
somebody that's in the military would need to conscientiously object and say, I can't do that. I can't kill an innocent person. I can't torture a person. That's not what we can do as human beings or as Catholics. So I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about some of these things, just war theory about nationalism versus patriotism and get some of your thoughts on that. Wow. <laughs> Kyle, that's a lot. I mean, this is a huge area to talk about. Of course, I think in the light of Catholic social teaching, we can understand and hopefully prioritize things. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to see, to define our terms. First of all, what is patriotism and how is it different from national, nationalism? Patriotism is basically pride in one's nation. Okay, so it's a feeling of devotion, mm -hmm. love, loyalty to one's homeland, to one's country. There might be parts of it that, you know, it doesn't mean that we're, we're saying that our country's perfect, but there's a certain loyalty. You know, you think of John Paul. He was a loyal son of Poland. That was his mm. homeland. He loved Poland. He loved his country. But that's not nationalism. Nationalism is, is a, a narrow approach. It can, it's a chauvinistic approach kind of approach. Mm. It's the idea that we're better than everybody else. So when you talk about this healthy patriotism, that's different from what can be an unhealthy nationalism, where one views one's own nation as separate from other nations in the sense of excessive patriotism, I would call it. It's excessive. Okay. And sometimes it can be aggressive kind of patriotism, which puts down others. We see this in fascist regimes. Think about Hitler or think about Mussolini. Mm -hmm. That was a, a nationalism that was wrong. Here in our country, we've seen this white nationalism, white mm -hmm. supremacy groups. That's wrong. That idea of superiority, that idea where you don't, where, where you aren't interested in the welfare of others, other nations. So there's this excessive nationalism. It can result in a chauvinistic attitude or a what's called jingoism. That's an extreme nationalism. Jingoism? Jingoism. And that, huh. that um, it promotes, you know, this aggressive kind of foreign policy. Mm -hmm. um, so one has to be very careful. So the idea of loving one's country, serving one's country, mm -hmm. all that is very good. I mean, that's that's patriotism. But nationalism has this negative, it's it's ideological. It's a movement that that is is kind of extreme. And it's yeah, there's love of one's country, but not love of others in other countries. Right. You know, that's nationalism. It's kind of it's kind of oppressing others for right, our own benefit. That right, right. It comes at the expense of, of foreigners. Sometimes you see this kind of nationalism being very hostile to immigrants, mm -hmm. for example. Or as I mentioned, white supremacists. Right. That's a white nationalism because, you know, it's a, a racial thing. So I think we have to be extremely careful. Now, as Catholics, we should be concerned for Americans. Mm -hmm. We should be concerned for the common good of all citizens of the United States. And some of that gets into the issue of subsidiarity, that right. we would right. take care of people on the local level, right. be more efficient than yeah. on a more global level. 
But as Catholics, we also recognize that we have, there is an international common good, mm-hmm. a universal common good. So we don't, aren't only concerned about our own fellow Americans, but we also are concerned with our fellow human beings mm-hmm. on the planet. Now, which comes first? Well, normally, if you look at way back at St. Thomas Aquinas, as you said, Kyle, number one, our loyalty is to God. Right. Okay. God before nation. Okay. God comes first. You know, what's the motto at Notre Dame? God, country, Notre Dame. But, um, <laughs> the, uh, but I, would, I would say there's something between God and country. That's family. Sure. You know, this gets to the principle of subsidiarity that you're talking about. And mm-hmm. St. Thomas talks about this too, looking at that subsidiarity. Okay, God always first, but, you know, wouldn't your family come before your nation? Right. You know, then I would say nation. Before there were nation states, what were there? There were like tribes and clans and mm-hmm. things like that. The social organization that one is a part of. And then there's the human family. So you have these extremes. Nationalism is an extreme where it elevates the nation to the point where it can become idolatrous. Hmm. You know, that happened with, um, with Hitler, mm-hmm. you know. It was idolatrous, really. The state became like God. You know, it was um, national socialism. That was, that was exaggerated patriotism. It was nationalism. They saw themselves as racially superior, the Aryan supremacy. So, so the, the nationalism is, is, is problematic. And we, we need to be concerned also for the good of other people who are not Americans. And there are things within our own country that there are ills. There are, you know, every every nation has its uh, imperfections. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to be concerned about the moral good. Yes, we, we can have national pride, but we shouldn't be proud of that our nation has legalized abortion. Right. We should not be proud that our nation once allowed slavery. Mm-hmm. So morality is, is, is essential here. I mean, that we have to be guided by the moral truths of our faith. So we're called to improve our nation. We're called to be better. Mm-hmm. And we can look back and we can see the great good that the United States, for example, has done in history. But we also have to be honest about the failures mm-hmm. or the things that are not good. Sometimes nationalism overlooks the sins and has this idea of, of superiority over others. These are very important things for us. As, and I, I think Catholic social teaching is uh, so, so important. You know, we have to be aware of the dangers of nationalism, but also appreciate the beauty of patriotism, remembering that the the nation is not the highest good. God is the highest good. Our family is really important. If we put the nation at the top, that's a kind of idolatry. I remember back when Pope Pius XI in 1937 wrote about, and I'll just quote it, this was that famous encyclical when when Nazism was uh, rising in Germany. 
he wrote this important encyclical. Actually, I think Pius XII had a hand in it too before he was pope. He was secretary of state. It was called Mit Brennen der Sorge, and it infuriated Adolf Hitler. And this is what Pius XI said. It's probably said, a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote, whoever exalts race or the people or the state or a particular form of state or the depositories of power or any other fundamental value of the human community, however necessary and honorable be their function in worldly things, whoever raises these notions above their standard value and divinizes them to an idolatrous level, distorts and perverts an order of the world planned and created by God. He is far from the true faith in God and from the concept of life which that faith upholds. Wow. Now, Nazism, you know, when it uh, it wasn't just the criterion of, of, of the nation, it also had a biological dimension. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you had, so it was Aryan, right. you know, so if you had Jewish blood, you were considered inferior, you know, so there were all kinds of problems. Now, where you find an issue that some people will be uncomfortable, they say, well, we don't want globalism. We don't want internationalism, they might call it. And they might go so far as to say that they would, would be against even like healthy patriotism. Sometimes this can be called cosmopolitanism. Okay, I'm a c- citizen of the world, mm-hmm. basically. The Catholic Church has more of a balance in this. We aren't saying that being a citizen of a country isn't important because, again, looking at that principle of subsidiarity, right. most important, of course, it, when we look at human community is our membership in a family, our membership in the church, our membership in, in a nation as citizens, or our membership in the human family. But if that kind of internationalism, or if you want to call it cosmopolitanism, et cetera, or some will call it an ideology of multiculturalism, what they mean by that is kind of like making everything homogeneous, okay? In other words, it it devalues the particular cultures of various peoples. You know, that's one thing that when we look at just in the United States itself, I mean, we're a people of different religions, different ethnic groups, different races, and we appreciate that diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, we are one people, but among a, a, a beautiful diversity of people. Well, it'd be same on the international level. We're not looking towards a one-world government, but the Catholic Church is very strong on the importance of international organizations and the international common good, especially to prevent war. Mm-hmm. The church supports uh, the existence of the United Nations, for mm-hmm. example. You know, we're concerned about international justice. We believe that there needs to be international law. But we don't do that in the sense of that means that you destroy individual national identities. Mm-hmm. So it's always that balance. Right. And that's really important to, to recognize. We shouldn't have aversion towards other nations. We should be respectful towards other nations. I remember when I was living in Rome, I remember one, a few times where I was kind of embarrassed with American tourists. Hmm. 
For example, I remember once I was at the Trevi Fountain with a few friends, and there was this group of rowdy Americans, and I think they had been drinking too much, and they started singing the national anthem mm -hmm. and, and uh, other things and took out the American flag and cheering U.S. Well, it just was inappropriate. Right. I mean, why, that was in, in my mind, that was nationalistic. First of all, you're guests in someone else's country. Uh -huh. You know, you don't go around saying, well, we're great, we're Americans. When you're, live, when you're guests in another country, right. you know, I was kind of embarrassed by it. You know, I even see at, uh, you know, World Youth Day, we have young people from all over the world, and it's great, everyone being together, and they'll be carrying their own national flags. Right. That's, that's a beautiful. But, you know, starting to chant USA and things like that, that gets, that sounds nationalistic to me. Right. It's, it's a different kind of thing where you can cheer for your nation, kind of like at the Olympics. You know, yeah, you cheer for your nation, but you're not acting superior to the others. You it's know what I mean? Kind of the difference between, a, I guess, a healthy pride and a sinful pride. Right. That maybe is a conversation for another day because pride is a deadly sin, but we also use that word as, you know, take pride in your work, meaning do your best. So, there, I mean, there's a healthy pride and probably a, a sinful pride. But I think also some of the risk is this us versus them mentality. And it's, we don't think of people internationally as our brothers and sisters, as part of the body of Christ, that a, a family in Mexico or China is my brothers and sisters, and that we should care about their well-being just as much as we care about a family across town's well-being. Yeah, subsidiarity, great, take care of the people around you, good, but not at the expense of somebody else, not to put somebody else down. They're not the enemy. And even at times where countries or leaders are the enemy, we're still called to love our enemies. And right. so, but a family looking for a better life or you know, trying to get a job in Venezuela or whatever is not an enemy. Right. I mean, this has so many repercussions, what you're saying, Kyle. Refugees. Right. Okay. How many millions and millions of refugees there are in the world? Mm -hmm. If we're just going to be concerned about our own Americans, U.S. citizens, etc., and kind of ignore the plight of people who are in extreme poverty who've, because of persecution or war, have been displaced, we have a moral obligation. I mean, how is God going to judge us? Right. These are our neighbors. And if we're harsh towards or, or care less about refugees or, you know, that's, that's sinful. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to be concerned about the common good of, of, of all of the common good of our fellow Americans, but the common good of our brothers and sisters around the world. I mean, I, we've talked a lot about CRS. I love it because they're, that's showing our solidarity as American Catholics or Catholic Americans with poor brothers and sisters all over the world, mm -hmm. in Africa, in Latin America, in Central America, in the West Bank, in Southeast Asia. I mean, where the Catholic Church is there, where the United States is there, and we're helping. We help people when there's a global disaster. We reach out. That's, that's, that makes me proud to be an American. Right. That makes me proud to be an American. When we care about the least among us 
and makes me proud to be Catholic. Now, what's the opposite? Let's say the United States or any country goes into another country and oppresses people, let's say economically. You know, we see that has happened in our history where we have corporations, for example, that have really unjustly stripped other countries of natural resources, mm -hmm. you know, and use them for their own profit. Right. I mean, we've seen that time and time again in certain third world countries where they've been harmed mm -hmm. by other countries economically. And that, that needs to end, you know? We need to be concerned, and this is something worldwide, and I know it's a controversial area, but the area of climate change and ecology, mm -hmm. the protection of the environment, the care for our common home. I mean, that has to be dealt with globally. Mm -hmm. I mean, what one country does affects, I mean, the depletion of, of, of uh, rainforests in the Amazon hurt the planet. Right. You know, so there needs to be international solidarity in fighting ecological degradation and pollution and the depletion of ozone or whatever it is, we have to be working together. And nations not only have rights, they have responsibilities. So we have responsibilities in this area. So there's a lot of things that we can look at in when it comes to this topic of the relationship between a nation and the international scene. And what is so beautiful is our Catholic faith has such a rich, rich teaching in this area. And we always come back to the dignity of the human person, mm -hmm. you know, the centrality of the human person. And therefore, we believe in that everyone is our neighbor, and we're called to, to love our neighbor. And that's not just all our American neighbor. Uh -huh. It's our... It's our Chinese neighbor. It's our Salvadoran neighbor. It's our Nigerian neighbor. It's our British neighbor, whoever it is. And we need this, these principles that we talk about all the time, solidarity, justice, freedom. We need international law. There is the importance of national sovereignty, yes. There is also the importance of international solidarity. And that is what also has a condition for peace and tranquility among peoples. But none of this is going to work if we don't recognize the universal moral law written on the human heart. Mm -hmm. And here's where our loyalty and fidelity to God comes in. Because we need to have a moral grounding in our country and in the world. Otherwise, everything will disintegrate. And you talk about loving neighbor. We did a whole episode on love your neighbor. I think one of the things I've always struggled with was that idea of love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, well, how do I love myself? That's kind of a weird concept for me. But to put it in the perspective of like, what would I want somebody to do for me if I was in that situation? And to think, I, I, we don't think about that. Whenever we hear about a family in another country that is going through some situation, whether it be persecution or job loss or poverty or whatever, we don't think about, well, if that were me, what would I hope would happen? And I feel like that's kind of what it means to love somebody else as you love yourself. Like we, we dehumanize people when we think that their life doesn't matter, that yeah. that, that situation 
isn't a problem that I need to worry about or to think about or to vote for. Or, you know, that doesn't concern me because it's not happening to me or they're not from my country. Like, but to think of a, them again as a brother or sister or what if that literally was your brother? Yeah. Like, what if that was you? What would, if that was your family, what would you want our country to do for you or a person to do for you? And you know, I, I love what you just said because it relates to this patriotism, nationalism thing. And let me tell you why. Okay. How? Self-love is something good. Yeah, we are to love one another as we love ourselves. Now, self-love, we should love ourselves. But it shouldn't be excessive self-love, which is really selfishness. Mm. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's on an individual level. But it's also on a national level. Yeah, we should have love for our own country, but it shouldn't be excessive to the extent that, you know, it becomes nationalism, right. which is a selfishness right. when you think about it. Right. Okay, so I, I see that yeah. parallel there. And patriotism should also come along with demanding more of your country. And so where you see the weaknesses, when you see people being objectified or hurt by the government, that you demand that the government does something better. That right. our love for our country is our love for the best possible version of that country, which is a selfless right. version. Yeah. So that's why we work for an end to abortion. Right. That's why we work for an end to racism. Mm -hmm. That's why we work for... For equality. That's right. why we work for equality. All these things, you know, it's a project that continues. And to criticize certain policies of the government isn't being un-American. Right. You know, so, you know, we have to be Catholic first. Mm -hmm. You know, I always say that before we're Democrat or Republican. Sure. You know. Before we're American. And before we're American. Yeah. Well, I was really looking forward to a conversation about just war theory also, but yeah. <laughs> maybe we can do that next week because I- Are I we running out of time? Yeah, we're out of time. And I want to talk about a little bit, September 9th at 8.30 a.m., you're doing a prayer service for racial justice, kind of some of the topic that we're talking about today. Right. What, what is that going to be like? I'm going to have it at Bishop Lawrence High School because I think that's the high school where we probably have the largest number of African-Americans, students. But also, I, I felt it was important, given the events of this summer, that even though I've written about it and spoken about it, I thought it would be good for me to address our high school students on it, but especially to pray, to gather together, to pray for racial justice, to pray for an end to racism, an end to bigotry, and also to, to try to encourage people to work towards justice, especially in the area of, of racial justice. And I chose, I looked at the calendar of saints and I thought, oh, September 9th is the feast of St. Peter, Peter Claver. By the way, this will be live streamed to all the, the four high schools and others can watch it too. So I'll give a reflection, some readings, reflections on this topic. But the reason I chose September 9th is Peter Claver was a Spanish missionary in, in Latin America, in Colombia, who served the African slaves after they came off the boats. And he was called the slave of the slaves. Mm -hmm. And he just saw the human dignity of these, uh, these, these people who were ripped from their homelands, Africans, innocent. He served them with the love of Christ. 
And they had that unjust, evil system of chattel slavery, which the church even then had condemned. You had someone like this Spanish Jesuit, Peter Claver, who gave his life, and he upset some of the authorities because of how close he was and recognizing the human dignity of every one of these African slaves who were brought to shore. So I thought that'd be a pre, you know, a, an appropriate feast day for, for this prayer service. And you mentioned that it's going to be live streamed. Anybody can watch that. It's going to be live streamed on Facebook and YouTube. If you do a search for Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend, those channels there on Facebook and YouTube, it's already set up that there's a, an alert that it's, uh, you can set a reminder for when that's going to go live. And it looks like it's set to go live at 8.15. I think the prayer vigil starts at 8.30. Mm-hmm. So that's people right. can yeah. find more information there on Facebook or YouTube. And again, that's September 9th, next Wednesday. People can check out that prayer service for racial justice. I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, again, if anybody has any questions for Bishop, you can go to the Holy Cross College text line. Just text 260-436-9598. And before we go, could we get your Episcopal blessing? Yes, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives by providing products and services to save them money. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it away to our members' favorite charities. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.